0: Welcome back to Rubrics, the St. Timothy's podcast. Uh, we are recording this on Monday, uh, a couple days earlier from our normal recording day because it is the beginning of Lent, and we are going to have quite a busy few days coming up with Shrove Tuesday tomorrow and Ash Wednesday on Wednesday, obviously. So we're going to take some time today to talk about the beginning of Lent um, some of the Lenten practices associated with Shrove Tuesday and Ash Wednesday, and how to approach Lent in a, a prepared way. Um, we, we use the Jessimas to kind of mentally let us know that Lent is coming, but we have to make some practical preparations if we want this season to be spiritually useful for us. So that's what we'll spend some time talking about today. Do you have any opening comments before I hit the ground running I with I think the you summed it up beautifully. There we go. Well, I'm going to open us with the prayer for Ash Wednesday. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who hatest nothing that thou hast made, and dost forgive the sins of all those who are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of thee, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Something we do at St. Timothy's uh, that has been done in the Anglican tradition for a long, long time is repeat this prayer for Ash Wednesday for every day which follows. And I don't think it's explicitly in the 79 prayer book anymore, but it has been in every other prayer book um, for as long as they've been printed. But that that practice of calling us back to Ash Wednesday for the rest of Lent um, kind of is a, you know, liturgical reminder of where our minds are supposed to be throughout the entire season of Lent. It's kind of this always calling back to, you know, this contrition, this desire to have a new and contrite heart, this um, state of acknowledging our unworthiness and wretchedness and, and begging for mercy, and that kind of does set the... the you know, spiritual foundation for what Lent is supposed to be, which is this time of um, trying to detract attention from ourselves, trying to focus wholly on God, and do things that practically take our mind from ourselves.
1: Yeah, people may not realize that in the prayer book, the Collect for Sunday, the prayer, is the one that's repeated every day, mm-hmm. unless there's a major feast that supersedes it. There are two seasons in which the collect for the first day is repeated every day. That is um, Advent and then Lent. And of course, those are our two Mm violet-colored seasons, the two that have a penitential nature, Lent far more than Advent. And I agree, it's it's a wonderful way to those two seasons of preparation. Mm -hmm. By the end of them, certainly in Lent, because Lent is um, a little bit longer, you have that collect memorized and it becomes... If you've been doing the daily if office, you've been doing you do. it. If you pray it twice a day, yeah. like, like, of course, we do it here at St. Timothy's, and we're fortunate that we have the structure and the space and right. and the rhythm to do that, but it definitely becomes a part of your muscle memory, mm-hmm. which is which is the point of all of it.
0: Yeah. Create and making us new and contrite hearts always um, plays over and over in my mind, you know, throughout Lent.
1: Not only that, I mean, St. Benedict said that in his rule that, of course, he was talking to monks mm-hmm. about the monastic life, saying that um, every day, or the, he says the life of a monk should be a continuous Lent. Mm. Well, I think what he meant by that was one of repentance, one mm-hmm. of conversion, one of preparation, but um, we have elements of Ash Wednesday, the liturgy in all of our daily offices, mm-hmm. you know, created me a clean heart is from Psalm 51, and that is, um, you know, in our in our offices, in the things that we say. Um, o Lord, open thou our lips. Is also yeah. from from Psalm 51. So we have that remnant of um, of that penitential liturgy that we begin each day, almost as making every day a day of preparation. Mm-hmm. Every day
0: is a is a mini Lent. Yeah, we almost take the entire liturgical year and and we do put it in one day. Um, almost we certain. have periods of, of repentance in Ash Wednesday. We have periods of resurrection when we read the gospel at, at evening prayer. And, and we say, you know, we have seen, our eyes have beheld the glory of God. I mean, we, you almost get um, the life of Jesus played out with every day.
1: Yeah, I, I hate saying things without having any reference. But yes, Psalm 51, verse... 16 in the prayer book Psalter, open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Yeah. So we, we have that penitential psalm both at morning prayer and evening prayer mm-hmm. is how we begin. So what I love, and I'm sure at some point we'll talk about this, someone's asked us about the mechanics of daily prayer, yeah. but what I love in the, um, in the summertime especially, when I, when I do not have um, taxi responsibilities of taking yeah. kids to school is that oftentimes I can get up before everyone else is Mm -hmm. up, be here, get ready, and the first time I say a word is at the beginning of the office, O Lord, open thou our lips, which is a wonderful way to begin your day, the first Mm -hmm. thing you say. Um, And if we connect it to Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, preparing to see the risen Lord, preparing to unite our sufferings with His, it adds another important dimension and layer to the daily office, to our daily prayers.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we've got various scriptures associated with Lent. Um, obviously, Jesus in the wilderness, but also um, the Gospel for Ash Wednesday, which is from Matthew six, um, and it may be worth looking at some of that. And it kind of helps introduce our pillars of Lent, as they are called: prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Kind of the idea that you know, he, here's a good place to start um, if you want a faithful season of Lent. You need to be praying, you need to be fasting, and giving alms. Those are three distinct ways that draw the attention away from ourselves toward God and put us in a state of repentance um, every single day.
1: Before you do that, though, let's take a minute to actually talk about why Lent exists to begin with. And, I mean, they're interesting books. If you really are interested, uh, Paul Bradshaw, uh, Anglican priest, mm-hmm. uh, scholar, teaches at Notre Dame, has all kinds of works on the development of the church year, feasts and fasts. Um, there is a book you can probably find on eBay, maybe on Amazon, that is co authored by Canon uh, Jeremy Hazelock, well mm-hmm. known to St. Timothy's, called The Sacrament of Easter. Jeremy wrote that with Roger Greenacre. And um, I think he's revising it. He goes into the origins of Lent as yeah. well. But basically, it was a it was a time of um, of preparing for baptism, yeah. preparing for Easter, and that time of preparation, catechesis, uh, penance mm-hmm. um, of people who have been maybe even um, separated from the community because yep. of because of sin. All of those things kinda came together. That may have been originally aimed at individuals. Preparing for baptism or people who had committed notorious sins who were now being reconciled. Now it was given to everybody and I bet you're going to read the introduction to the Holy Lent which sums up all these reasons why we do it and then that period of time was solidified into into 40-ish days before the date of Easter.
0: Yeah and and I think this is always helpful that um, the Book of Common Prayer you know forces us to remember this origin that we don't enter this hastily but part of the ash wednesday liturgy is is this exhortation this reminder this call to a observance of a holy lent and it says the celebrant or minister says dear people of god the first christians observed with great devotion the days of our lord's passion and resurrection and it became the custom of the church to prepare for them by a season of penitence and fasting this season of lent provided a time in which converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism It was also a time when those who, because of notorious sins, had been separated from the body of the faithful, were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to the fellowship of the church. Thereby the whole congregation was put in mind of the message of pardon and absolution set forth in the gospel of our Savior, and of the need which all Christians continually have to renew their repentance and faith. And then there's an invitation through self-examination, repentance, prayer, fasting, self-denial, reading and meditating on God's Word. Basically, here's the origin, yep. and here's what you need to do to fulfill it. But but what I love about that um, beginning especially is you have kind of two groups of people, those preparing for baptism, kind of... In the beginning, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, honeymoon phase, you know, ready for baptism, um, all in. And then you also have those who have lapsed, and both are brought back through a period of, you know, almost time away, to, you know, restoration and, and wholeness. And, um, you know, we've talked about that practice um, sounding harsh to some people, that people are banished, um, but it's a, it's a way of publicly dealing with with sin that, you know creates division in a community and and it's a way to set it apart deal with it and then bring people back together it's what we also owe ourselves to do internally We, we can't ignore our sins in our life that actually damage our relationship with god we need periods where we actually sit with those deal with them Maybe have some repentance and self-denial, so that then our restoration actually means something. It's not just, you know, a false rubber stamp, yeah. but it's actually a declaration that something has changed within us. We have confessed and been forgiven and been cleansed.
1: I think folks should <clears throat> meditate on the restoration of Peter as an example. Mm-hmm. So he denied Jesus three times, mm-hmm. and the restoration of Jesus at breakfast was um, three exchanges. Mm-hmm. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter was offended Mm -hmm. by this repetition. But the restoration was equal to the transgression. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing, is that I agree. I think people miss the point when they think the punishment is harsh. It's only harsh because the restoration is going to be lavish. Yeah. And
0: And it has to mean
1: something. It has to mean something. And it's the only way, frankly that both the penitent and the community can live into what forgiveness looks like Mm -hmm. if there has been a real separation, but also a real embracing Mm -hmm. that that the the penitent has done their work, Mm -hmm. the community has done its work as well. And um, I mean, we can go on and on and on about the development of of penance and Mm -hmm. why that doesn't necessarily work anymore, because of lots of lots of yeah. reasons. I mean, lots of practical reasons. Spiritually, it does, but right. we're no longer a village church in, in 1363 with right. 24 people who can do that. It's mm-hmm. more complicated. But the other thing I would say is um, folks who are listening need to realize nowadays, unfortunately, and I'm guilty of this, someone wants to be baptized, wants to baptize their child, the preparation involved is a couple emails, a yep. conversation, and a calendar. Um, now obviously the expectation is is that there's catechesis with the parents mm-hmm. and all that, but but it's never what I think it should be, um, nor any of my colleagues do I think that they do it the way they think it should be done. But in the, in the early church, the catechumenate the period of preparing for baptism mm-hmm. wasn't an email and a calendar. It was a three year process. Mm-hmm. I think it's Hippolytus and the and um, the apostolic tradition um, um, talks about a three year catechumenate. Yeah. Those were for adults clearly, mm-hmm. but there was a real period. And then the and then the closer you would come to the date of baptism There were prayers, exorcisms, Mm -hmm. all kinds of scrutinies, things that um, in the past 40, 50 years, the church in various degrees has tried to recover because we realized that instead of being a burden in the Christian community, that actually was very important for good reason. Um, But the point is, it was a process, both to be reconciled and to be baptized. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a... um, a condensing of that in 40 days. Mm-hmm. Lent's early name was Quadragesima. So the Jessima's continued, mm-hmm. now it's 40 days.
0: I mean, it's almost like time out for parents. You know, the parent puts a kid in time out. They've, they've already forgiven them for, yep. for the wrongdoing, but that kid needs that time away, that time to think about their wrongdoings and actually feel the weight of them and realize that they are, are doing damage. Um, Lent for, for us in a lot of ways is almost an encouragement to go to time out, to, to deal with that that we've kind of been neglecting for a long, long time. Um, tomorrow and and you know, even before you get to Lent, Shrove Tuesday, you've talked about how it comes from shriven to be to be um, to confess and and to have those sins forgiven don't just carb up. Um, that's a, that's a way to almost prepare your pantry. It's a practical preparation, you know, eat the pancakes or the crepes or whatever it is that gets rid of that food that you're not going to be able to have during Lent, but also get rid of the, the spiritual bloat, the spiritual fat, um, mm. and confess that, and kind of enter into Lent with a clean cupboard, but also a clean soul, um, ready to undergo this preparation. And scripturally, um, obviously, you know, we're, we're trying to live into Jesus' time in the wilderness, which itself has a whole context of he is you know, undoing the mistakes that the Israelites had. They complained about not having food, and he shows what it means to, to authentically fast. You know, they constantly bow down to idols, and Jesus refuses to bow down. I mean, it's, it's kind of undoing and, and showing what um, intense preparation looks like in a, in a fulfilled way, and we try to live into that. So prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are the pillars, and um, Jesus, you know, speaks about them in Matthew 6, beginning with uh, almsgiving at the very beginning of it, and then he goes on to prayer, and then we'll jump ahead to to fasting, but here's how he opens the chapter um, by talking about almsgiving in Matthew 6. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. So that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you they have received their reward. But whenever you pray go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Then our Lord gives the instructions of the our father. Then he loops back around to fasting. In verse 16. And whenever you fast do not look dismal like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus taking prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and giving... um kind of the same, you know, phrases about it. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do these things in secret. Do not do them for the praise of others. A a very helpful reminder for us nowadays um, in Lent, when it becomes so customary to want to broadcast our piety. Yep. Um, and I think a lot of times people have the right intentions. Do. But it very quickly warps into, look at me. Look what I'm doing for Lent. Um, and some people want that for accountability reasons, you know, they want people to know, that way they have that sort of accountability. But I think we always have to be careful of, are we we doing this for the praise of others? Or another way to look at it is, if nobody knew you were doing this, would you still do it? Would that be enough? Um, That's the question I think we have to wrestle with, that this is not some public spectacle. We're doing this for our relationship with God. Is that enough for us even if nobody ever knew about it?
1: Yeah, I think Lent has become either a proxy war for other battles or Lent has become just a gross distraction. Now I'm pro Lent. Yeah. I I'm, I'm I think Lent is vitally important mm-hmm. and I think following Lent according to the traditional customs not because they're sacrosanct but because they've worked mm-hmm. is very important and I don't know what's on the agenda, but I think I think well meaning things that um people enjoy, and that's the problem, is that we sound like old curmudgeons, like ashes to go. Yeah. You can talk about right. that. But I think um and you know, and I've done this. I mean, please don't go looking in my social media history, <laughs> but a smiling Ash Wednesday selfie, yeah. I'm not sure is exactly the point of mm-hmm. it. At the same time, Maybe it's as valid as a frowny Ash Wednesday selfie. Right? Yeah, they're, from they're what both Jesus. Said. Almost doing the same. I right? think that the the safe thing is to not post anything at all. Mm-hmm. But the hard part is, but you want to be able, and you should, not hide your faith mm-hmm. and and say this is my witness. Mm-hmm. Now, if you and I post a picture of ourselves wearing an ash, that's no big deal. I mean, you expect that. Yeah. But it happens every year. If some celebrity, I think Mark Wahlberg did it one yep. year had an ash on his forehead and it broke the internet. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was probably a good witness for him to do right. that. Right. People who looked up to him who wasn't who weren't aware of his faith now began to google mm-hmm. what 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 is this ash on the head uh on that. I mean because people don't know. We we assume everyone knows what this is. I remember yeah. going to lunch at the Loop. Mm-hmm. Um on Ash Wednesday I have one bowl of tomato bisque. That's typically my my um my sustenance and, and the loop is just down the road and wearing a cassock and an ash on my forehead. Someone says, Excuse me, sir, there's something on your yeah. there's something on you. yes, I'm aware. Thank yeah. you very much. I'm also wearing a dress. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, that's all you've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> this was the smudge on the forehead. So I am highly sympathetic with the the tension between wanting to proclaim mm-hmm. my faith and that I'm willing to look foolish and by by doing this and it's important. At the same time by checking to see the comments and the likes on it. Mm-hmm. That's that's the hard part. So I, I sympathize with the struggle, and it's, it's hard for us as a church. We'll post things about Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Are we sharing information? Are we giving a glimpse into what we hope is mm-hmm. authentic Christian living? Or are we bragging, look how pious mm-hmm. we are. We're more medieval than the church down the road. You know, all those yeah. things that are temptations to all of us. Part of that, I think, is the point of the season. It's like a a version of the law, is that we're given these things to constantly remind us of how quickly we will fail mm-hmm. every time. So, But what I mean by distraction is we get so focused on what we are doing and not yeah. why what we are, are doing up? it. What are you giving up? What are you giving up? And then, you know, and I'll, I'm going to rant for a moment. Um, I've, I've been seeing lately, and I, I again, I know, I know the intent. People will say, well, why don't you just give up instead of... You know, meat or chocolate or alcohol. Why don't you give up being mean, yeah, or being yeah. or being whatever? Yeah. My, I want to comment, but these are these are people that I love, and I know I know what they mean. I want to say, does that mean you you start doing it again once yeah, Easter yeah, comes? Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, we have to realize we give up. You don't something. Give up bad habits. We don't really. give up bad habits. We we deprive ourselves of something that is good mm-hmm. that we should enjoy, as an act of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So, um, you give up meat because meat is. I love meat, Yeah. or you give up these things because it's such a small thing to do but so hard to do, Yeah. and that reminds us. But you don't give up smoking for Lent. No. You should give up smoking no. for life, mm-hmm. you know? And so we need to kind of—and th- the other thing I will say, and I don't mean to jump ahead of all over, going all over where, uh, where, yeah. you, where you want to go. These is, three things are,
0: are what we're talking is, about.
1: I think, it's, I think it's, a, it's a fool's errand to want to— tried to make the argument we should take something on instead of give something up That really yeah. takes away the sacrificial yeah. nature of the Christian life mm-hmm. but also um, if you look at Matthew 6, Jesus is saying both three. you know now yeah. almsgiving and prayer is to take on something right and fasting is to give something up. Mm-hmm
0: do both. And almsgiving is almost a, a, a both. both. It's a, yeah, you're it's giving a virtue up, you're taking on and you're on giving, and you're yes, giving absolutely. of your material goods, yeah. But
1: if we only do things, then that becomes sort of works righteousness. Performative, yeah. Performative and you know, um, if I were to say Pelagian, that's an early heresy that says that we're not born with, with any kind of original sin, mm-hmm. that we can sort of will ourselves into righteousness mm-hmm. if we just work hard enough for it, which is um, an American temptation it to is. always think that we can fix our own problems, mm-hmm. and that's just not the case.
0: Yeah, last night at youth group, I was you know talking with the youth kids about it, and I joke with them, um, and we were talking about and this. Maybe something we'll talk about later. How you know the age ranges for fasting are intentional. It's practical advice. You know, kids under eighteen don't fast um, for all sorts of reasons, but you're not required to correct. fast if you yes. are and there seventeen, are, and yeah, you can and there do are, it. And I, we yeah. talked about it. there are ways to keep the spirit of yeah of the law without doing the letter if you're growing and you know in puberty and all that stuff you need to eat you know if you've got a basketball game that night don't pass out anyway I was, I was talking to them and i said if you drink 12 sodas a day don't give up that for Lent. that's a bad habit you need to just get rid of it for good so the whole point of fasting is to train yourself yeah as we as yes, we, we drink this here, is my <laughs> fifth soda <laughs> of the day
1: thank you very much
0: but um, well, they're diet. That's yeah, true. They are sugar free or whatever. <laughs> but um, the the point is to train your your body. And um, I was I was showing them, you know, Ian and Chadwick's you know wonderful drawing of of um, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And he says fasting is our weapon against the flesh. And I she I kind of had to eat, she excuse yes. me sorry, <laughs> and I had to um, help them understand that this is not a diet tool. And if you ever think it is, stop fasting because Especially as an American culture that is obsessed with that, we slip into that way too often. But um, fasting is is giving up of something good to train yourself to keep your desires in check. Um, it's not it's not a period to establish some good habits. I mean, it is, but it, if you have a bad habit, get rid of that for good. Like we said, it's it's a way of trying to mimic Jesus, so that when you have a temptation of the flesh arise, you're able to say, well. Well, I know how to say no to my instant desires. Um, it's a way of pushing back against instant gratification. Yep. If you have a credit card in a car, you can get much of anything within, you know, a half hour. If I want a Big Mac, I can in, within 10 minutes have a Big Mac in Amazon my hand. Amazon Prime. the whole Amazon bit. Prime. We, we have this instant gratification and learning how to say no to that in very basic human ways, like saying no to food trains us to say no to bigger temptations when they arise.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, two things I want to say that are related but somewhat different. I'm sorry. That no, no, is is that it may seem like if you're listening that we're talking out of both sides of our mouth because in a way we, we're trying to thread a very small needle mm-hmm. of saying these things, these practices are helpful and important and we commend them in the highest possible mm-hmm. way to you. That's point one. Point two is... Don't obsess over it. Make right. it a game, and don't make it. Don't make the means more important than the end. Correct. Um, and we've got to find that 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 middle way mm-hmm. to, that we understand the the healthy tension of the the letter and the spirit on that. So, and that's a struggle. we we, we don't want to be all about the rules and not about yeah. the spirit at the same time we don't want to be all about the you know the the spirit and then to the neglect of and the and never do, any and rules. Never do yeah. anything yeah. the other thing i would say on your point is st paul talks about this of 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 that our bodies need to be governed by our will mm-hmm. and not our will governed by our bodies right. and, and it's the latter is what typically happens in terms of our obesity, in terms of our habits, Mm -hmm. in terms of all these things, is that we are slaves to the desires of what Mm -hmm. our body tells us, or we are limited based now on what our body tells us to do. And what Paul is talking about is that our bodies should be governed by our will. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that we're not going to have limitations of our bodies Mm because we're mortal and that happens. But if, and as I saw someone um, recently on social media they were giving weight loss advice yeah. about about learning how to deny that instant gratification mm-hmm. because that's a part of food addiction. It is. And he was saying, and, for instance, in any, any addiction, addiction is, in, yeah.
0: is, is a gratification of a desire.
1: He was, he was saying, like, if you have your phone and you hear a ding, wait one minute before you yeah. check it. Yeah. Just one minute. And see how hard that is to say, I'm not going to look for one yeah. minute. And once you do something as silly as that and realize... I really want to see what that is. Um, You realize, I'm not really in control. Yeah.
0: It shows you how weak you are.
1: How weak we are. And that's the whole point of saying, my will is going to tell my body what to do Mm -hmm. and not the other way around.
0: Yeah. And again, this is training. This is a silly thing. Um, Food is a good thing given to us by God. We use it as a practice tool because it's a basic human instinct and because that's what Jesus did. And that's what Jesus showed us how to do. So that... When temptation arises, this isn't the first time we're trying to keep our wills in check. We've done this before. We we know how to do this. That's why when Satan shows up and tempts him with with food, he's already been fasting. He's he's got it. He's ready to say no to him, Um, even though that is something that his his flesh obviously craves because he hasn't been eating for 40 days in the wilderness. I mean, um, we're, we're trying to mimic Jesus as best as we can.
1: And people, we have to. I want to emphasize again, we have to be sensible on this. And there are probably no harder core clergy in this diocese than the two of us. Fine, but I remember um, a few years ago, I'm an oblate um, with the Order of Saint Benedict with Saint John's Abbey in um, in Minnesota, and I emailed my um, my oblate master, what sug- and This is a real full time monk. Mm-hmm. And you read Benedict's rule, and you have all these, you know, um, advice and 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 rules for this. And I told him what I was normally do for Lent, and I was asking for recommendations. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting some Herculean, Rambo, kind of. All right, here's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to have big boy Lent. Yeah. He wrote back and said, you know what, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. He says, "I think you know, if you keep doing what you're doing is just fine." And mm-hmm. he was very helpful in saying, "Let's don't let's don't make a game out yeah. of this." Yeah,
0: I mean, it's so simple that we almost want to complicate it more. Um, pray more, mm-hmm. fast some, and give alms. That's shockingly simple, and that's what the church has always called us to do to have a Holy Lent. And we we like to complicate it because it 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 almost makes us feel like. Um, we're doing something better or more, but we can improve on what Jesus yeah, Christ has right. said,
1: which is the whole of the hum, which is the whole of the the fall of humanity. Right, right. I think if I know the difference between enough? good and evil, yeah. I think it would be can, even better. I can take, I, I can add to it.
0: Right, yeah. I mean that that is always our temptation. So pray fast, give alms. Um, Chadwick says prayers are our, our weapon against you know the devil or temptation. Fasting is our weapon against the flesh, and, and almsgiving is our weapon against the world that, that tells you, this is yours, do whatever you want with it. It's a way to push back on that and say, this is God's, and I'm going to do what God wants with it, which is give it to those in need. Um, all three of those help us kind of establish some barriers of the things that distract us from God, Satan, the world, and the flesh. All of those vie for our attention and lent our goals to have a singular focused Vision of Jesus Christ, and so we we establish practical routines to to not do that. Um, and
1: let's define what you just said. You know, the devil, the the flesh, the world, and the devil. Um, you know, the devil meaning the spiritual forces of wickedness. Right. Right. The world being the indifference or the in, the antagonism mm-hmm. of 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 the people, of systems, of structures, of of the Zeitgeist, yeah. and the flesh being our own carnal desires mm-hmm. that either you know from from I mean things like what we do with our bodies, to how we treat other people, those, right. all those inclinations. Those are the three things that, that we do spiritual battle with mm-hmm. on a constant
0: basis. So let's, let's get into some practical advice um, for, you know, those under 18, those older, um, people who are actually saying, well, how practically do I maybe follow the fasting rules? Or how practically can I start giving alms or, or prayer um, what would be, let's take fasting first. What's some practical advice you have for that? Or what has the church's practical wisdom been?
1: Well, the rules of fasting have evolved and changed. Right. And they used to be really, really, really strict. Mm-hmm. Hence Shrove Tuesday. Um, and frankly, I can't remember all the different rules and what you could have. And, and it also changes from East to West. Mm-hmm. In the East, it's it's a different set. And they'll have like cheese fairs Sunday, right. and they'll you know only days you can have fish and oil and you know milk or you, whatever. I, I can't keep up with them. I think rightfully it's been simplified. Um, our lives are a bit more complicated. Yeah. I think when when we lived in a simpler time, where we had fewer food choices and we grew our own and, and all everything. that made everything. Yep. I think I think that that was a, an appropriate response. Now it's a bit, it's a bit more complicated. Oftentimes, we don't have a whole lot of choice over what what we have. So um, in a nutshell, the two fasting days for the whole year, Ash Wednesday, Good Friday. And it's simply that for fasting does not mean you eat nothing all day long. Mm -hmm. This is not preparing for your colonoscopy or whatever. This is is a, a real reduction of intake. One simple meal that is accompanied by two smaller meals that together do not Equal the one simple meal. So you still have technically three meals a day. Mm -hmm. Just one far
0: simpler and smaller. So what does your Ash Wednesday look like My Ash Wednesday will be... Ours is probably very similar.
1: um, In the past, it's been in the morning, um, I will have, after the first mass, a granola bar. And then... um, But this year it might be two egg bites. Yeah. And then for lunch, a small bowl of soup maybe a little piece of bread, and then the same thing for after the second Mass. Right. Either a granola bar or
0: two egg bites, whatever. Yeah, yeah. In in the past, I've done uh, plain oatmeal with, you know, no no flavorings or anything, and then the soup and bread, and then oatmeal again. I mean, what you know, you know, when you tell people that, they start playing the games of, well, you know, do I need to count calories and stuff? Keep the spirit of the law. Pick a simple meal for lunch is the easiest way to do it and then do something small for and breakfast or dinner. It's all relative. It's it all,
1: so if you eat simply anyway, a simple meal is yeah. going to be different than if you eat lavishly every mm-hmm. day, a simple meal will be I mean, you will still feel that. Right. If you if you have a um, a buffet lunch every day and and surf and turf for dinner every night, um, a bowl of soup will be a pretty dramatic mm-hmm. change. Now, go for it, but, but maybe just, you know, have a like a large salad. Right. You know, or something. I mean, again, don't, it's not a game. It's not, it's not, I mean, these aren't, this isn't the 11th commandment. It's thou shalt eat whatever on Ash Wednesday. These are Um, guides. Yeah. And the point is, the point is this don't treat Ash Wednesday and Good Friday like any other Wednesday and Friday. It's different. And there should be some act of self denial there. Mm -hmm. So that's that. That's what I do. And then I keep a meatless Friday. All year long, so do I. Um, with the exception of solemnities, mm-hmm. um, and that just simply means I have salmon for lunch and cheese pizza for dinner or yeah. something. I mean, there's, yep. I mean, you just you just don't eat you just don't eat chicken or beef or yeah. whatever. The more you do it, the easier that becomes. Mm-hmm. My advice is, if you're hearing this on Monday and you want to fast on Wednesday, um, I might restrict your food a little bit on Tuesday yep. as well just to go ahead and prepare your body for it. Yeah, which is hard. With it's hard. Tuesday. Which, yeah. So Yeah. But, but again, if you mess up and you slip, well, that teaches you something. Yes. And that may be as, as much an important meditation on Ash Wednesday as keeping it perfectly,
0: mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah, that was a piece of practical advice I was going to give, is um, inevitably there will be people who fully intend to fast on Ash Wednesday, wake up have bacon and eggs, and then realize it and say, shoot, yep. my day is ruined. Yep. It's not ruined. It, if you were trying to keep a Lenten fast on Fridays and you mess up, it's fine. You haven't you haven't ruined your Lenten fast. Um, you've missed an opportunity, maybe, to grow closer to God that you can regain next week, that this teaches you, and this may actually also help you grow closer to God by realizing this is so simple, and I can't even keep up with it. I even forgot about it because, you know, I have a million other things vying for my attention. Um don't punish yourself for, you know, forgetting about one of these or or mistakenly, you know, breaking the fast. Yep. Um it, it's not it's not sin. It's a missed opportunity to grow closer to God. You didn't accidentally murder someone and break a commandment, like you said. You you simply ate when you— But
1: in, bra- in missing it, you may have a greater avenue to grow closer to exactly. God. Because you recognize exactly Lent is not—
0: I am so weak that I can't even yeah, do this simple thing.
1: It, friends, it's not the spiritual version of American Ninja Warrior, yeah. where we all have this obstacle course, and we're all trying to see if we can get through it without messing up. Yep. We're going to mess up. Every year. Every year. Um, mm-hmm. This is training— to help us embrace Holy Week and Easter prepared, having thought about this mm-hmm. a great deal more than we would have otherwise, to have learned something about ourself, to have prayed more, and so that Easter Day does not become simply again, so that Easter Day doesn't begin the same as Ash Wednesday is, mm-hmm. a social media opportunity or or what are you getting for Easter, and what new outfit do you have? Or heaven forbid, you skip church altogether and just mm-hmm. have the big brunch or whatever people might do. Right, and then Easter just simply becomes Valentine's Day. Easter becomes Saint Patrick's Photo-op Day. For bunnies and it's eggs just and... it's just something to do, mm-hmm. and and it loses all of the mystery and drama of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And of course, I again, I will argue always that it. I don't know how you can fully understand that power if you skip Holy Week. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, life is complicated, but if you're able to go to Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and the Great Vigil, or at least Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Day, mm-hmm. it will change your spiritual life it
0: completely. It will, because you know, for the people who uh, I know, a lot of people who pick one of those. Um, one of those three services. It's one liturgy It is has one. So a pause are, to go home and You are coming in at the second third of the liturgy, mm-hmm. and the altar is stripped if you show up on good... And you're not sure what's happened. You don't know the context of it. You haven't... Um, it's like, you know, if you join people on a pilgrimage on day four... You've missed three days worth of kind of building some of this context. You're going to miss some of yeah. the meaning behind it. Um, no, you really you'll can make get a, something. But
1: you can make a strong argument that Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and the Great Vigil is one continuous liturgy yep. that simply pauses for, uh, you know, for human you go need. Home to sleep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, well, moving on to to almsgiving and prayer. Practical advice for those um, Almsgiving... Again, like, like fasting, everyone likes to— Well, that's to, a churchy word, so define alms. It is. Uh, define uh, giving alms-giving. alms. Giving uh, material goods to those in need, usually money. Um, what The reason I say material is because people will, will like to say, well, I give of my time or my energy. Um, I'll pray for those in need. It's not really what the Bible is calling us to do. Um, when, when Jesus speaks of alms, he, he talks about physical money. Go give it to the poor person. When he calls the rich young ruler to sell that he has and give that money to the poor, he doesn't say think of them or go and hang out with them for a day. To give of your time. No, give your, your material financial um, benefits. And so that, that is almsgiving, giving of your alms. But it, it's relatively simple. Um, and the easiest way to do it is give money to the church. Um, people like to beat around the bush at that, but that—that that is what we are called to do. Why do we give alms? I mean, it's its the same conversation we've had in the past about why we tithe and why we pledge. It—it it, it is an acknowledgment that we don't um, own the things that have been given to us, that we are put on this on this earth and given blessings that have a potential to do good in the world Um, money you know we've talked about in its um, perverted sense it's like a false sacrament it's a visible sign of invisible power and that has the potential to to do bad things in your own personal life or do bad things in the world we see corruption with money go hand in hand all the time it also has the potential to do virtuous things, to lift people out of poverty, to establish, you know, charities and societies like our Society of Joseph Arimathea that, that buries dead babies. Um, that costs money. So money is potential, and that can be used for good things or bad. Almsgiving is a way to acknowledge that this has been given to us by God. It does not belong to us. It belongs to those in need, and so we're going to give it. A practical way to do that during Lent? Um, is to give more money to the church or give more money to to charities or nonprofits like the Society of Joseph of Arimathea. Um, you know add a little weekly donation for the 40 days of Lent um, to to one of these places. put a few more dollars in the offering plate.
1: If you see someone panhandling you know maybe maybe during the year you say I'm not I don't know I'm, I'm conflicted. Why don't I get 20 bucks a week uh, yep. and, and put it in yep. either fives or ones and if they if they're out there by the stoplight,
0: to it. Yeah, I, I encouraged our youth last night. Um, you know, I said it's the same principle for y'all. You just might not have as much money. Correct. But you still give your money. So, I, you know, I told them, if you could drive, why don't you go to go to the bank? And we draw 20 bucks in intervals of five. And for the next four weeks, try to find at least one person and give them one of those. I mean, yep. it's very simple. Yep. It might take some preparation if we don't carry cash around with us, but you know, you can give to the church online. You can give to pretty much anywhere online, but um, I think a, a very intentional way to do it is to withdraw money, keep it in your car, and and find those people begging on the side of the street. And people always um, make so much out of those events. You know, well, do they really need it? Um, I see them every week. It's not really, it's not really ours to judge. God, God tells us to give our money away. Um, if we give it to someone who doesn't actually need it however we define that well so what generosity is a risk you've given your you've given your money away and then there's no there's no bad will on your part correct Um, it's not like it turns into a vice then it's it's still a virtue so yeah generosity is a risk and it's it's trusting that god is is taking care of things rather than us controlling them
1: if you give me ten dollars and i use it for good or use it for ill you're still out ten dollars so Mm -hmm. you know trust that And that's part of our own moving out of our comfort zone. Right. You know, and and, yeah.
0: Right. So that's fasting and almsgiving. Last one is is prayer. Um, There's a lot of of practical advice you can give with prayer. As as good Anglicans, we always recommend praying the daily office, praying morning and evening prayer. Um, You're going to miss days if you say, I'm going to do morning and evening prayer every day. If you've never done it before, you're going to miss some days there. Um, you're going to, you know, maybe go three or four days where you totally forget about it and then remind yourself. But um, the Book of Common Prayer has all sorts of shorter services, individual devotions for families and, and individuals. Um, if you are a family and you say, we need to pray together as a family, there's five-minute devotions in there. that literally take five minutes and it's all printed there for you. Um, I do the one for in the evening with the youth every Sunday before we eat. Um, and it takes, you know, two minutes. I mean, you can get as short as you want, but, but figure out a way to incorporate additional prayer in your life, whatever that may be. That looks different for every person because every person has a different schedule yeah. um, and, you know, free time and, and whatever. But um, the daily office is, is always a good place to start.
1: It should be said that in all of these, we, the church assumes there is a baseline Mm-hmm. of what we're doing, that we're already giving to the church right. and to the poor, we're already saying our prayers, and we're already doing throughout the year some act of self-denial. Mm-hmm. So that needs to be said. These are additional things above and beyond what we are already doing. So to go back to the beginning of the conversation, if we're saying take on prayer in Lent, that doesn't mean we stop praying when Easter yeah, comes. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, giving mm-hmm. um, or those things. So acknowledge we need, and maybe what, what this Lent does is it establishes our baseline. Yep. And then that insta- continues. instead of giving those up when Easter comes, mm-hmm. we continue um, certainly the the almsgiving and the prayer. Yeah. And then when Lent comes around next year, now we have a place to begin with and we go a bit deeper. That's a win. That's a mm-hmm. spiritual win if we just do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So practically, um, you know, that, that kind of goes through prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Um, find ways to to incorporate all three of those. What is that demand of you? It means if you hear this on Monday or Tuesday, you've got a day to kind of think through practically, how am I going to do all this? Um, if you hear this Wednesday, it's fine. Yeah. Ash Wednesday's here, but you still have the rest of Lent to if figure If you have out.
1: a good Lent, the last four days of Lent... It's better than it's not having a absolutely. Lent at all. So if you, if you wait until the fifth Sunday in Lent to begin your Lent, and you have two weeks to go, that's two weeks. That's, that's better than yep. nothing.
0: That's absolutely. Um, it's better than on the third day getting discouraged because you've yep. set the bar too high and never doing anything for the rest of Lent. Um, make it reasonable, make it practical, but, but prepare it. If you want to incorporate prayer find the prayer that you're going to incorporate. Don't just assume that on Ash Wednesday I'm just going to flip it open and I, I'll figure it out. Yep. No, plan ahead. Um, figure out what you want to do. If you want to study the Scriptures more, find a plan for the next 40 days so that you know when Ash Wednesday comes, you're kind of ready to go. Any more uh, advice on prayer, fasting, almsgiving?
1: No, maybe just talk about what we do.
0: Uh, absolutely. So <clears throat> one of my... Um, well, the fasting, you know, I, I always just try to keep the, you know, kind of established fasting practices. Um, you know, Ashwin saying Good Friday, as we already talked about, the no meat on Fridays. And then I do try to find ways to practice uh, additional self-denial. Um, so for me, um, and, and again, this, you know, there's a hazy line between bad habits that just need to go. Um, and and I try never to slip into those, but um, sweets, you know, are always a big one for me. You know, I think we probably all have too many sweets nowadays, and there's an element at which this is a bad habit that needs to go, Um, but cutting back on those in an intentional way throughout Lent and saying, you know, you get a craving for sweets, um, ideally you stop and pray instead. Um, But if you can kind of try to make that a habit of, I'm going to have, you know, less sweets for me. Um, maybe sweets isn't your thing. It usually is for me, and no. so that is kind of one additional thing of fasting I try to cut back on. For almsgiving, I just find ways to give more more money away, um, more to the church, more to nonprofits, more to people on the side of the street. Um, I absolutely do the thing where I withdraw cash sometime at the beginning of Lent, keep it in my car, so that that kind of forces me when I see someone, I don't get to say, well, I don't have any cash on me. Yep. No, I'm prepared, I've got it there. Um, and then for prayer, I will find an additional time throughout the day, besides morning and evening prayer, while I'll spend five to ten minutes um, praying something extra. And so um, I'll usually find a consistent devotion that works for me. In years past, I've done like the Daily Examine, Ignatian Spirituality, kind of taking stock of your day, and I found that helpful. In past, um, I have picked up the rosary in in previous years and say, I'm going to do the rosary in extra time every single week. Um, this year, I have not decided what my additional prayer practice is going to be, but I've got I've got a couple of days to figure yeah. it
1: out. similar similar for me. Um, in addition to the normal meatless Fridays, I will, um, you know. An example is Wednesday nights at our formation, we typically have a bottle of wine or yep. two. And we just won't do that. Yeah, we yeah. is always a good place to come back. We won't on. we won't do that here. You know, in, in a way to the you know, Sundays are, are little tiny little refreshments from mm-hmm. Lenten discipline. I don't think Sundays are meant to be full on refreshment, no. but a tiny little thing. So a lot of people maybe after evening prayer on Saturday night, if they have a glass of wine then that's a that's like a, a, a a little bit of boost, mm-hmm. you know, um, because again, we're not supposed to be miserable. Right. We're supposed to be prayerful, right. but yes, um, cut out al- alcohol. Uh, trying to cut back on those sweets as yeah. well. Yeah. Because the thing about that is, here in the office, we have chocolates. Yeah. When do I get them? Am I hungry or am I bored?
0: No, it's that. It really is that instant gratification. And if I'm bored, crosses my mind. Yep.
1: Boom. If I'm bored. Um, what else can i occupy my mind yeah. with so that i'm just not giving in to that hunger yeah. that should be some kind of prayer or thought or something like that alms giving exact same i will have cash and you know maybe even look for people who are who are yeah. asking for money again not to be performative not to mm-hmm. have toxic charity but you know just to, to do that in addition to other avenues of already giving here and other places and then in Lent, of course, we add so many services. There's mm-hmm. almost for us, because we're at all of them, that built in um additional devotion as yeah. well. But I will try to find um a book or a book of prayers to be a companion mm-hmm. during the mm-hmm. during the um during the season as well. And so just hearing what we do, none of it is Herculean or dramatic. No. No. It's it's an adding on to our not granted. We're professionals at this, so our baseline will be higher than the average person. Um, But it's just a little bit more than what we already do.
0: Right. Um, Crossed my mind that um, this isn't necessarily... It is a prayerful practice, but I I went back and found the um, exhortation for... um, priests before they got ordained in the 1789 ordinal. I and mean, There's a big long page and you know it's maintained in, in the future prayer books and I printed that out on a little sheet of paper as I approached my own ordination. You know I told myself I'm gonna carry that around and start reading it more often. Um, a couple times a day maybe and start meditating on that as it draws closer. So it could be topical for what season of life you're in right now. Um,
1: We're not casting spells. We're not collecting certain prayers to make something happen. Correct. We're just thinking about God more, Mm -hmm. thinking about ourselves less.
0: Yeah, yeah. Everything is is always in pursuit of that, and Lent is a more intentional, focused time of thinking about God more, thinking about ourselves less. And if you're wanting to pray morning and evening prayer, we talk about how it's easy for us, and that's part of that is because we do it in community. Mm. We actually, you know, are in the same place, and people come for it, um, and, you know, sometimes it might just be a few people, sometimes it's, it's more, but um, finding a way to maybe come up to the church once or twice a week to join us for morning or evening prayer goes a long way in making you feel like this is a communal thing, I am part of a body in this Lenten discipline, I'm not kind of isolated on my mm. own. Um, whatever, whatever it takes to kind of give you some more boost in confidence.
1: We're posting three-minute homilies on social media yeah. and on YouTube, and when you when you are celebrant, you'll do the same thing. Right. You'll, you'll preach as well. We're doing that now because it's edifying, we hope, to the people who are here in Mass. Mm-hmm. We preach three minutes, and then we'll upload them to YouTube, and yeah. you can watch it, and that's not a long time. It's three minutes. That's you watch that when you're having your morning that's coffee. three minutes more than maybe you were hearing sermons any other given right. Monday.
0: Right. So Lent is um, not as complex as people make it out to be. No. It can be very simple but very intentional. So you've got a couple days to prepare. If you listen to this, as Lent's already begun. Um, you've not missed your opportunity. It's simple, but it's intentional. Find ways to make it intentional for you. Find ways that work. That won't leave you burning out um, a week into it, but that will draw you closer to God so that when when Easter comes, you feel as if you are experiencing him in a a new and refreshed way than you ever have before.
1: Yeah, we have, in addition to Sunday mornings and to um, evening prayer or even song and benediction Sunday afternoons, Mm -hmm. morning and evening prayer Monday through Thursday, mass Monday through Thursday, we have stations of the cross, mm-hmm. five PM in the church, confession trove Tuesday, but also any time by appointment. Um there are innumerable mm-hmm. avenues and opportunities to, to go deeper and to walk with other people on this Lenten journey.
0: Absolutely. Any closing thoughts? Nope. Well, we pray that this Lent is a holy one for everyone listening. Uh, we also pray that it is a holy one for us, too, as we, as we lead a congregation through this and we anticipate the resurrection of our Lord in 40-plus in, um, days. Let us close in prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the
1: kingdom and the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen.